find it so funny that so often people who are like, this isn't real, be logical, be practical. I'm like, all right, we'll follow your thinking to its conclusion. And guess what? It's flawed because you're a human and you're not a calculator and it's going to happen. And they're like, no, I am completely logical. My critical thinking skills solve every problem. And again, it's just it's just going back to emotional immaturity again of like, I know everything. It's fine. <laughs> Panic not. <laughs> Welcome to Homebrewed Feminism. I'm Amanda. And I'm Becky. We're two friends discussing all the ways that society, culture, and gender collide. So join us as we amplify the many voices that surround us. Hello. Hello. Hi. And welcome back to our Homebrewed Feminism podcast. This week on the pod, we are back with another interview and we have Harris Eddie Hill with us. Welcome, Harris. Hooray! So for any of our listeners that uh, may have remembered from when we were on our socials recently, we featured on Harris's podcast and we are now returning, I think Harris is returning us the favour by yeah. coming on to our <laughs> podcast. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, hi. Um, I'm not famous yet, but when I am, <laughs> you'll be like, I heard Harris on Becky and Amanda's <laughs> podcast. Um yeah, I'm, I'm Harris Eddie Hill and I am an NLP coach and gender educator and uh, I educate people about gender identity and I'd never thought I would do anything like that because I'm an introvert and up until recent years, I'm in my 30s now, but up until recent years I was quite socially, not anxious even, but just, you know, I, I like my own company so... I always had this dream that I would be creative and kind of locked away in a studio and that people would buy my art or my offerings sort of somewhere on the interweb so that there wouldn't be too much interaction between me and my clients, you know, and I would have this kind of very comfortable privacy and would, yeah, just create and kind of to please myself. Um, and, uh, I found out I was non-binary. Well, I realised when I was 26, because I had no idea before then that there was a thing. It was a thing and there were words and I wasn't the only one. I wasn't some bizarre anomaly alien person. And I realised then, and it took me a good couple of years to kind of work out what that actually meant for me specifically. And then I kind of got the call, as the spiritual or religious people might say, that this is what I was going to be doing. Um, and to put it bluntly, I shit my pants a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's been quite a long journey between realising that and kind of doing my first talks on it to getting to a point where I've done like loads of workshops in secondary schools and coached people and done lots of speaking engagements. And, you know, obviously I've got my podcast and, I'm recording for season three at the moment. And thank you. And my season. Can you tell our listeners the name of your podcast? The Transsection Podcast. 
Uh, I came up with a name because it's sort of a play between trans and intersection. Mm. And I just kind of sandwiched it together. But it's also originally, it's like a word anyway, um, used in surgical terms, meaning to cut across. Mm -hmm. So I liked this idea in my head of like, you know, like a cross section of something, this idea of like opening up and getting to see the inside. Mm -hmm. Also like cross, like you're literally going across to like maybe reach people, like you're yeah. crossing over. Yeah, and that's it's really so good. ambiguous, isn't it? So you can literally reach out to so many different areas of people's understanding. It could literally mean so many things to different people. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I liked it. I thought it was quite a, you know, it, it's, it's a quite a simple word, but it embodies so many different ideas. And that's why I went for it. I mean, you know, I didn't think long and hard. I didn't sit down and do a mind map or anything. I just sort of thought about it and was like, oh, yeah, that'll do. Uh, <laughs> I think it was a, an intuitive gift. I don't think it, that idea originated with me. I think I just perceived it. And, um, yeah, so I've ended up uh, as an introvert sort of being interviewed and on stages like either like metaphorical or literal mm -hmm. and uh talking to people and coaching people and uh talking to people about their deepest feelings and beliefs and helping them like work their shit out basically and yeah it's just become like a life that I never would have imagined oh that's fantastic but, yeah, it's good. I have moments where I'm like, is this real? And like, can I run away? I'm, I'm not really sure if I'm up for this. <laughs> well, then you're the right person for the job. Yeah, I think there's a massive responsibility there. I'm definitely not doing it for the fame or the, yeah, not that, not yet. But, you know, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it for recognition. I'm doing it because I believe it's important and I believe that I have responsibility. Mm -hmm. Um because I can and I, I really care about it. Yeah, it's clear. It does. It comes across that way that it obviously means a lot to you. And, you know, I think that personally, knowing the work that you do and the way you speak about it, you're clearly a gem of a resource to people because not that I identify as non-binary or can imagine what it is to identify or feel that way. I just know that there's people out there that definitely benefit from the work that you're doing because... Um, you're probably one of the first resources I've came across that actually talks about it so openly and so like understandably like I've like we've mentioned before for if our listeners aren't aware of the episode that we featured on Harris's podcast Harris has this free resource about gender identity and it's an amazing resource so something like that doing that for free like it's clear that you know it's not all about the money yeah actually Harris I should tell you that my aunt back in Chicago just casually mentioned to me that her nephew had just came out as trans and that he or I guess she is now doing the whole shebang like transitioning and she my aunt's like extremely liberal and was like okay yeah like I'm on board um but she she actively said like I actually don't know what the hell I'm doing though like I don't know how to support at all mm. and I said actually <laughs> I um I could share something with you from this podcast that we we worked with uh Harris's non-binary and this free resource that I was like I highly recommend having a read because it is for you so that you can help your family and she my aunt was just like thank you so much so 
you're helping people in the states <laughs> oh, amazing thank you I, I'm always really touched to hear that like I think I think we're probably past about 200 downloads now and I think yeah I feel I feel very passionate about it because um trans and non-binary people whether that's like kids teenagers adults um are disproportionately affected by things like suicide homelessness and like poor mental health and I think that you know some some people who are perhaps not as emotionally uh mature as they could be Mm -hmm. uh they're like oh well that's just because you're confused and you feel crap and I'm like no it's researched we know exactly why people from my community are struggling and it's because you know, people say stupid shit or, you know, people are unaccepting and sometimes they're rude and, you know, just, I mean, we're all humans in relationship to other humans. And if people don't understand you, don't include you, don't acknowledge you or don't treat you well because of this aspect of yourself, then I don't think it's any great surprise to realise that, you know, you're going to suffer because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, someone keeps denying your existence. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna struggle with that. I think that's not something to really like expand your emotional intelligence about. Like, <laughs> just take two seconds yeah. and go. Well, if someone kept telling me I don't exist, I think I'd start feeling like I don't exist, and then what's the point? Like, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because um, I'm always looking to like further my understanding of people and the psychology and social issues and all this sort of thing. <clears throat> and um, I've started this week reading, uh, sorry, well, listening to an audio book. I can't sit and read a book anymore. I just don't have the <laughs> attention span any longer. Um, but the book is called Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. And actually, I find it fascinating because, <clears throat> excuse me, it's really um, uncovering this whole idea about like emotional maturity. And if you don't have it in your own home, then either you end up repeating the cycle of being emotionally immature yourself or you strive to overcome it and and emotionally mature in other ways like you know, you might access therapy or like emotional education in the form of books or conversations with other people who do know what they're doing. And one of the um, things that came up in there that I found interesting was that, you know, people who say like, it's not about your feelings or like, you know, you, you just have to shut up and get on with it and like not not make a fuss and not say these things that's coming from somebody who's emotionally immature because they've come from a household of emotionally immature people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so ultimately you've got people who are, uh, and one of the um, clear signifiers that somebody is emotionally immature is that they are very uncomfortable with feelings. They're, they're emotionally phobic Mm -hmm. a lot of the time uh and their own emotions you know clearly if somebody shouting at you goes stop saying this i don't like it that's very intense but actually it's not very deep there's no self-reflection that goes on it's just i don't like it stop saying it you know which is like what children do right like young small children they just go i don't like it Mm -hmm. but they can't necessarily explain to you why they don't like it or what it's bringing up in them or what are they thinking what are the thoughts that are like 
precluding the outburst. Mm -hmm. And now I'm starting to view like so many of these like transphobic, for example, interactions with people. And I'm like, I see you. I see what's happening here. Mm-hmm. And actually mm-hmm. it's it's really nothing to do with me. Not that I thought it was anyway. But um, I think it's helpful to be able to kind of place these behaviours and think, well, actually that person's going through their own kind of deficiency here and therefore we're not going to reach probably any kind of um, middle ground or understanding and uh i literally have that book on my shelf it's been on my shelf for over six months now because i'm actually afraid to read it like i'm afraid to i like i've read the intro at least four times and i've been like okay this is gonna be really hard to read and like then put it back down <laughs> so it's i'm hoping to read it before 2022 <laughs> it sounds really really good like when you were just explaining the book there like there's so many people in my life that I've just went you 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 you're in this book I know it <laughs> but I yeah. like that you just described that book in a way that it is because of how they that book kind of like focuses on your parents and the I like being able maybe to take that book bigger you know, how am I going to deal with other people besides my parents that are also emotionally intelligent, unintelligent? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So that's a good way of looking at it as well. Might make it easier for me to digest it if I broaden it out to all of humanity <laughs> instead yeah. of just my parents. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I think ultimately that's the thing, because the thing is, is that if you've if you've grown up in a in a in a household where you've had to adapt your behavior in a way that probably is unnatural to you in order to survive or navigate those primary, like early life relationships. Mm-hmm. You then carry those um, behaviors and, and type, like relationship types into your adulthood or into your wider life. So your friends, your colleagues, your partners and mm-hmm. things like that. And so, yes, we we learn this and we we learn the models of of how to do relationship from home or from when, when we're young but of course this this affects like everything literally like how you feel about yourself how do you react to your own feelings are are you in touch with them are you self aware enough to know when you've made a mistake you know like in my household apologizing and admitting mistakes was like I mean, you might as well kneel down and bow your head and get ready for someone to like literally decapitate you. It was, <laughs> it was seen as this terrible, like this painful, gut wrenching, like awful, awful thing. And you know, it, you know, I, I was taught like if you've made a mistake or you've trodden on somebody's foot by accident, then you say sorry. You know, and that came easily, mm-hmm. and that was that was easy. If somebody accidentally elbowed you and it was a very physical thing, Mm -hmm. then saying sorry was like, oh, sorry, are you okay? But anything beyond that, especially when it came to emotions or like behaviours or how we were treating each other, there was no room for that at all. And to even bring it up in the first place was like a big no-no. So it was just suffering silence for years. Don't talk about anything. No progress. feelings. Yeah, I totally Yeah. Totally yeah right. don't talk about anything nothing gets resolved like it was just <laughs> sweep it under the carpet it's just 
conditioning at its finest, yeah. Sometimes, I, I get what you're saying, Amanda, about a bit of apprehension. I've had that with certain books before where I'm like, oh God, this is going to be... This is going to be a lot. But actually, I get quite energised and excited because things start to slot into place. And then I'm like, oh, now I understand this thing that happened. And, you know, and I think it energises you because when you feel stuck about something, you can end up feeling a bit hopeless and like, oh, I don't know what to do. I've thought about this so many times. I can't find a way out. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think sometimes reading something that speaks to your experience and says, look, this is these are the best ways that we would recommend dealing with the situation. And actually, nine times out of 10, most people go, actually, I can do that. I'm capable of that. Mm. Yeah, having like an action plan. So that's a nice way of thinking about reading those books as well. It's not so much to harp so much on maybe the unfortunateness of your upbringing, but it could actually give you a way of not being trapped by it so much that and I think you're right like me not wanting to start that book is probably more along the lines of like you just I just keep thinking about the problems and my brain just hasn't gotten to the point where like the resolve it's like I think I've always just been waiting for the um I think (laughs) between us just between us um (laughs) I think I have ADHD so like I know for a fact that I have to wait for my brain to like click into a certain space and then I know that I will start a task but I cannot start that task until that certain thing that hits the go button has to hit so I think I'm just patiently waiting for that go button to go off in my brain to start Mm -hmm. that book but there's something that's telling me not yet something saying don't do it yet so I I also think it has something to do with that yeah I think timing is everything I I don't think we should beat uh, ourselves up for not tackling a problem by tomorrow or even this month you know there there are some books that I've I've heard about for a long time but it wasn't time for me to listen to those audio books until later at the right time and actually intuitively I think we know Mm -hmm. yeah I think especially when it comes to emotions and when it comes to something like your feelings I think that you can't rush that sort of thing. You've got, like you talk about, you know, being intuitive. You've got to, you've got to give these things as much time as the time that you put off for. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, you've got to, you've got to honour that. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> and I think also there's, there's different ways of thinking, right? Um, for people who never get out of their cycles and actually they're, they're not interested in getting out of their cycles. Um, there's actually a lot of comfort for them in saying like bad things happen to me Mm. because it takes a lot of energy to move into a different way of thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, And particularly in coaching, you you wouldn't say to some, you you wouldn't listen to what somebody's problem is and be like, right, we're going to fix this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's much more about where do you want to be? what would you feel would be helpful to you or like what direction do you want to take? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so important that, you know, you can't force somebody. There's no such thing. You, you really can't force somebody into making progress or becoming aware in ways that they don't want to. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily right for everybody either. Like it may take somebody, you know, 10, 20, 30 years to finally get to a point where they admit that they have an issue. Mm-hmm. 
but actually if they they do it for any other reason than their own then it's it's probably empty it probably won't change anything and actually it may even prolong their process i agree so when we were speaking earlier you mentioned about how these emotions and feelings um are relative to the transphobia that you see so is there something that you wish people in general or transphobic people knew about trans plus experiences and gender identity is there something that you wish they could wish they knew just wish like do you get why they behave that way i think that this can easily go back to in some at least a lot of the cases maybe to emotional maturity because I think to laugh at anything that's outside of our lived experience or what we've been told to expect is in in the book, Amanda. <laughs> there's a bit where one one of the, one of the key um, kind of symptoms or traits <clears throat> of somebody who's a, an adult who's emotionally mature is that they have a very fixed way of seeing the world. They're like, everything is black and white. Things work just this way. Um, And it's predictable and there are rules and there are roles. And like gender rules. (laughs) Well, exactly. And bread rolls. No, that's okay. We all agree that (laughs) we all agree on bread rolls. I couldn't resist. No, so um, <laughs> so you know, people who tend to be very limited and like laugh and and mock and like um, point fun or are even like unkind or maybe even aggressive or violent about anything outside of you know what they they're, they're kind of very simple and very predictable model of the world is, mm-hmm. is a symptom of lack of emotional maturity because emotionally mature people recognize like variation there are variations on everything people are different individuality is not a fancy notion that only applies to privileged few this is just humans in general and like nature in general and you know we're all we're all very different we have very different wiring and different dna and different experiences and the way we love people might be very different to how somebody else loves someone like, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, emotional maturity is like, you know, we, we're comfortable with this. We're comfortable with the fact that we don't know everything. We can't predict everything. So I think it would, I don't know. I don't really know how much uh, use there would be in addressing people who are that small minded and, and, uh, of that um, need there to be that much predictability control in their own environment. I think somebody like me coming along and being like, this is just it, you know, like I didn't choose it. It's a surprise to me as well, friend. (laughs) Um, It's just getting them to understand that, isn't it? Like, yeah. And it's like almost like the ship has sailed. Like they probably won't understand it. No, I yeah, I don't think so. So I think that, you know, we're really better off to concentrate on those people who do have some emotional intelligence, a, a, at least a bit of emotional maturity and may, maybe even access to empathy. You know, that's, that's quite a big one. Um, mm-hmm. Although I've met some very interesting people who have said, like, I literally don't have empathy in my brain. However, 
I do like feel that um like I do feel a call to be ethical but it's not it's not emotional it's just because logically I feel that that is right that that works like I would rather have someone feel the urge to be ethical if they if you know and if they don't if they can't access their own empathy please then stick to ethics then please don't go any other way just stick with the ethics then please (laughs) yeah definitely definitely like empathy is so often used as like the golden standard but I don't think I think that it's possible to reach a place of behaving ethically that doesn't necessarily involve empathy mm-hmm. um so yeah but anyway long story short <laughs> no, I like back, that. To, that was good. back to the question um no that was all relevant oh thanks yeah I think I just think that for the most part people who are already laughing or like you know being ridiculous or whatever like they're just you know, they see these things as very below them and like really mm-hmm. ridiculous and like so out there. Like, how could that possibly be a thing? Mm-hmm. And I just yeah. think, I think you you've got a lot more on your plate than worrying about activism at this point. I think <laughs> you're not a very good activist, so just don't bother. Like, wow, you'll just be a waste. <laughs> I just, I joke, I joke. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've met children. I've met children who have big hearts, big empathy, and they're emotionally intelligent enough to understand that people are being sincere. And they see it and they go, yeah, all right then. And they move on. And then, you know, I meet adults who are just behaving in such shitty ways sometimes. And I just, you know, I think generally we're, we're better off to focus on on people who are who who are empathetic but just don't don't really know enough yet and i think that's that's fine like mm-hmm. i i didn't know when i came across the whole thing and i think you'll play my clip later that's the one that i chose for today okay. as my show and tell um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah when i realized i came across this thing like it was an instant like self recognition it felt incredible and then once that subsided i was like Oh God, what now? Like I literally don't know anything. I'm so ignorant. Um, so I would say like to people who are empathetic but don't know where to start, like I was an amateur at the beginning, and most of us are. I don't I haven't met many people who've grown up in families that were like trans positive mm. um and educated and inclusive and all of that stuff. So I think for the most <laughs> I think it's safe to say most of us probably haven't. Like, I think majority of the population of the earth probably (laughs) has all become quite accepting, I think, in the last probably 10 years max. Um, Yeah. Also in the West, though, because like other indigenous cultures like have have had this down pat for thousands of years. It's just the sort of, you know, just the white oppression came in and told them you're wrong. Yeah. (laughs) We yeah, do that so do well as white way. people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, in your personal experience, since you've identified as, like you say, when you were 26, um, you identified as non-binary, have you seen any progression in people's attitudes towards gender identity or yourself, just how you identify? Have you seen any progression from when you first identified to now? Yeah, massive. I think, well, on 
two sides of that. Firstly, from within the community itself, when I first realised, I then joined some groups and tried to like read loads of other people's like posts and comments and and really learn and like try and build a big picture of what this was because there was no, I was not aware of any particular resource or books or anything at the time. And I was like, I, I have no idea where to start. So I joined a lot of these groups and there was, I felt like at the time, and this is like seven years ago now, just about, at the time there was a lot more like um, angst and anger and lots of like arguments going on and lots of, um, I it kind of felt like everybody was kind of newly coming out and everyone felt quite sensitive and like their skin was quite thin and everyone was getting very easily like wound up and, and upset about things. And I felt like as as a community, we hadn't like, matured particularly at that point you know that everybody was still very wounded Mm -hmm. okay um and to now like you know the the page I run on Facebook has like thousands of people on there we're just constantly laughing and like cracking jokes is that genders together yeah yeah genders together with Harris and uh that's been going pretty much since like just before I came out or realized and uh, yeah, so we crack jokes on there all the time and it's so much more funny. And there's a lot of like, uh, not self-deprecating humour, but like <laughs> la- but like laughing at our situation. Um, you know, like some of my favourite memes have, have been like, you know, you're winning as a trans woman when you have a massive rack and a huge dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> and there's like there's loads of things like that where people really like obviously you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily make those jokes as an ally or somebody yeah, else of because no. it's it's not your joke to make. But I just think like now the community's much more comfortable with itself at like as as a a larger entity. I, I still get people sometimes who are like, I know that this is funny, but I fit this this meme has made me feel sad. And I'm like, oh no. Like so, you know, I often go in and like check in. I'm like, oh, are you okay, mate? And no. it's it's really nice. It's much more um I feel like it's a lot more casual, we're a lot more naughty, but also wholesome. Mm-hmm. And there's also um it's mad actually. Like I've had people contact me in the last couple of years. That I've never met before and they're like so last year there was uh, an alt-right group of young incel white man oh, you know white men Just and, go away. <laughs> I know they they I were knew they white were... men was coming up so important <laughs> <laughs> sorry not, not all white men hashtag not all sorry, white men sorry yeah not um, all white men <laughs> but um yeah, so basically this this group of, of lads, very angry, uh, disempowered lads, decided to attack all of these big pages on Facebook, like trans and LGBT pages and stuff. Um, and I was getting messages from people I've never spoken to before who were like, you know, so I think we're all starting to become a bit more aware of each other and uh, we're all starting to like link up a little bit more like, page owners themselves are starting to make friends with each other and stuff like that so I think I think 
I hope, my fingers are crossed, that more cohesion is happening. Great. Cool. Um, yeah. And then from the outside, like from allies and stuff, the fact that now, like anytime I want to, I log into LinkedIn or something, I'll always see somebody who's got their pronouns in their name on LinkedIn. And equally, if I'm emailing people about my podcast or whatever, a lot of them also now have their pronouns in their bios of their email and little things like that. Um, When I was, even when I was in Australia, which is, you know, it's an island that is not surrounded by lots of other white countries. So (laughs) It's quite isolated. A lot of the way they do things is still quite old fashioned. However, in their LGBT bars and clubs in Perth, it was not unusual to see the all, all gender symbol on the toilet doors. That's great. Um, uh, yeah. And like the cervical, um, what's it called? You know, we, you get your smear test yeah, and stuff, but that yeah. department, yeah, that department mm-hmm. uh, in the last couple of years, they started giving out pam- pamphlets that are like inclusive of like their non-binary and um, trans men patients. That's lovely. That's cool. I love yeah. That. Yeah. So would so you I'm say, Harris, that as allies, because I think, I mean, Becky, I consider us allies mm-hmm. 100%. Would you say that maybe like the number one thing that an ally could do is just add your pronouns to your signature, like put it on your social medias, like just, yeah. So, like that would indicate a lot to your community that you're a friend and everything's chill. I think, I think it would at least indicate that. Tell us. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I think adding your pronouns to your bio and your, you know, your uh, email signature and things like that, it's it's a step in the right direction, mm-hmm. and it definitely tells me that you're thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um. However, I think becoming an ally is, is can be a bumpy road, especially if you are not keen on feedback. Oh, okay. I think that becoming an I think becoming an ally in any way, and this includes me, if you're not ready to take that feedback, especially even when people are pissed off, mm-hmm. even when people are cussing at you, mm-hmm. and that will happen occasionally. If you really put your foot in it and say something terrible and you don't know that you've done that, mm-hmm. it, it unfortunately, it doesn't matter that your intention was positive. Yeah, You could have really damaged somebody in that moment. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. So sometimes... I think all of us, including me, have to... I think you two are pretty good at it, though. You've talked about, like, being in groups and someone saying you should say women brewers and not female brewers. And Oh, yeah. The, I'm not afraid you of You two that. were like... <laughs> Correct me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do not want to offend anyone, and I do not want to hurt them in any way. So if I am screwing up, tell me. Like, actually, Paris, I could actually... If you want to do a test run on giving me feedback, I would appreciate it. Yeah, sure. Um, I was in a meeting at work and I um, was gendering a post that was being advertised. And it's typically uh, usually a, a woman filled post. And I, it just like it was just coming out that I kept using she to describe the new person that might be joining. 
And I just apologized. And I was like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm quite happy for a, a man to take this role. Like, I don't I don't know why I keep doing that. And I just made like a flippant like joke, like all all genders are welcome in this uh, in this position for me. And not one, but two of my upper management then made a couple of transphobic um, comments really quickly, like, and I was, uh, I didn't know how to react. So essentially, like, the worst comment ever was immediately said, like, there's only two genders. And then I just, like, was like, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. Like, just trying to make it as clear as possible that I don't want to go down the route of transphobic conversation. And then she yeah. kind of came back at me, like, like how, like how could there ever be, you know, just like the stupid, stupid, just not intelligent chat. So then I tried to, in a roundabout way, give them other examples, and then, i.e., like how, how do you determine, like what gender an intersex person is then? And then I had to tell them what that was, and I was like, uh, <laughs> okay, we will talk about that now. And then um, I went into the signature thing, being like. You know, it would be really cool if we all did put our pronouns in our signature. Um, anyways, long story short is that my one manager, or I should say, shouldn't say my one manager, but the person, the the most hierarchical person in this t- meeting pretty much said like, oh, we should stop this. This isn't an appropriate chat anyways. But just to say, let me just end it with, I don't think that any teenager should be making any life decisions. Okay. And then we moved on and I was like, and then we just what? ended on a really transphobic end. And I was like. Okie dokie. So, like, please, like, tell me. Because I, the moment it happened, I immediately was just like, bah! like, I don't agree. I don't agree. I don't agree. It's like, but I don't know if that was the appropriate way to handle the situation. <laughs> like, and then, oh, and I brought up your umbrella. And I said, like, I have recently, like, really, like, got into this. And I, let me tell you about this umbrella. And there's actually way more than just two genders. There's, like, you can't even count them and like think of it like an umbrella going over. And I was like explaining and I was like, am I even doing this right? Like, should I even be doing this at all? Should I just shut up? Anyways, if there's anything you could tell me about that, that'd be great. Yeah. I mean, first of, <laughs> first of all, it's so nice when you hear that somebody has like instantly recognized something and been like, this is so against my values. And like, I have to say something, you know, it's so nice because, uh, I think that's difficult. Like even for me, when I've been around, like if family have made a racist comment or something, I haven't every time managed to like speak up or say something. Cause sometimes they've just said it in a way that I've just been like, Oh wow. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think kudos to people who just get involved. Like, like you have done Amanda, like you don't even know if you're like in quotations doing it right, mm-hmm. but it kind of doesn't matter. Cause you've been like, um, hang on a minute. I would say that um, a good thing to do would be like, hold on a second. Um, You know, I need to just stop you right there. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're in a work situation, it it might be something along the lines of, uh, you know, first of like, I thought we were inclusive an inclusive workplace. If we are inclusive, then actually we either are or we aren't. Mm -hmm whether you get it or not, you're either committed to our values as a company as being inclusive or you're not. Mm -hmm. You don't get to decide where the gate stops or where the line stops. Mm -hmm. We either are or we aren't. 
And second Ooh, I like of that. all, I like that. yeah, because often like people who are closed minded are often a bit more uh, egocentric. Mm-hmm. So actually bringing things back to who do you want to be rather than this is the right thing to do. This is the right way to treat other people. It might help to go back to something more egocentric, like what kind of person do you want to be? Like, what are your values? Mm-hmm. And then actually someone might go, oh, I don't want to be thought of badly. Or, you know, unfortunately, that is that is a, a, um, a strategy that you have to take with some people because they're not motivated by um, empathy ethics. Or, yeah, <laughs> or ethics or anything like that. A second thing I might I might say is like, listen, I know that this topic might be strange to you, and it was to me too. However, this is backed up by science. This is backed up by many different areas of science. This is not a question any longer, and actually hasn't been for a while. Um, if you're misinformed, there's, that's you know nothing to be ashamed of. However, you are misinformed, and saying things like that is not acceptable oh I like that too and you're misinformed you're misinformed Uh, and yeah and also like at some point um you know and and it's also actually illegal and (laughs) you know I think I think it's driving that thing home of like this is not ethical it's not acceptable it's also not legal these are protected characteristics blah 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 and just say like you know it sounds like maybe nobody's ever talked to you about this before but um given that you you're you're misinformed and you don't seem to understand if you do want some uh references to learn more then um please let me know and i you know i won't mention it to anybody else but it is actually important this is not something you can just avoid Mm. um if one and two are not possible i would say go to your hr department and report it Mm mm-hmm yeah, well, again, was when it was happening, I was like, uh-oh, like, this is actually happening in my life. Like, oh, God, I was it's like, horrible. Well, I'm yeah. not going to pass up this opportunity. Like, I can't be talking about how I think everyone's existence is valid. And then the moment someone comes in, yeah. gives me that opportunity to stand up, I was like, well, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I'm not going to be very informed here. I'm going to I'm not prepared, but here we go. <laughs> That's all you can do sometimes, just just to say to somebody, hold on a minute. Like, And I think sometimes if you're having some kind of reaction, and it's not even like personal to you, do you know what I mean? It doesn't, but even, you know, and especially when an ally says that and says, look, this isn't even personal, it's just, it, but it is wrong. Mm-hmm. Like it is wrong. Then often like the people that you're speaking to, even if they don't immediately agree with you, or even if they're not like keen to like back down or reconsider their, behavior or their beliefs it's enough to make them think and I you know ultimately as much as I hate it we do all have free will so what people believe is actually their business Mm -hmm. and therefore I think it's I think it's more about like um damage limitation because if I work with somebody and they have a belief about you know something not being real when I'm literally there, like I'm not a mirage. (laughs) Um, But if they've got those beliefs, like I don't need them to agree with me. I just need them to not make my life worse. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I completely understand that feeling. Yes. 
on that note, we will take a break. And after the break, we are going to play a clip from Harris's podcast and we'll have a little discussion. Sounds good. So Harris has been really kind enough to choose a clip for us to listen to right now, as we do on Homebrewed Feminism. We like to have a clip and Harris has been nice enough to bring one. And why don't we take a listen and we'll discuss. Awesome. So yeah, I was reading this article and all of these different words and I just felt my face go really hot and I was like, this is, this is me. I just knew instinctively it felt like so many things in my brain, like all clicked into place. You know, all these memories that I even forgot I had were like, you know, coming back to me since I was like at nursery school when I was a toddler, all kinds of weird stuff. And I knew that it was right. You know, I'd never, I'd never felt like a girl growing up and I didn't feel like a boy either. And in fact, even before I knew about what any of these things meant, even about the concept of what it means to be transgender, even as a kid, before I knew all of that, I remember that I would sometimes have dreams about having a different body or whatever. And I'd wake up and ask myself, am I a boy? In my experience, if you're not trans, you probably wouldn't ask yourself that question. (laughs) (laughs) That's... That's a big ignorant um, right there. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, my it, it was interesting because my first response to, to reading about this whole thing was like instant self-recognition on a really deep level. But then my next thing was to be like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had all the same questions that you and I, Jordan, hear from people all the time. But the difference was that I couldn't escape it. It wasn't a subject to do with somebody else. It was me. That was fantastic. I think it's safe to say that um, getting to hear someone's origin story and hearing the being able to go back and notice all the things through your childhood and that was that I think really brings it home for people to to that we can all relate to. We all got memories from our childhood and when something and then things start to click into place. So thank you so much for like articulating that so well that. I mean, Becky, I don't know about you, but I feel like that was perfect. Yeah, I completely agree. Especially, I think for people, they should realise that, um, like, I think a lot of people, when it comes to this sort of topic, it's like you're making a choice. Uh, they, they see it very much as a choice. You know, you're choosing to be this way. And then, obviously, you articulate that as a child, you recognised am I a boy when I, when I woke up, you know, so you, you know, you articulate these feelings. So I think it's good for people to realize that, that you are who you are. Mm. Yeah. I don't get where the choice thing has ever come from. I have no idea what that's all about. And, you know, obviously people use this idea of choice with sexuality and with gender identity. But I'm like, since when did anybody choose? I find that really bizarre. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think maybe, I think, you know, maybe if you're in a like super religious or culty religious place where they're like, you know, if you're if you're gay, then it will be fine. Just don't act on it. Mm. And like try try not to think about, you know, people of your same gender or whatever. And, uh, you know, if you get married in, in a heterosexual marriage and you, you force yourself to do that then maybe that's a choice that you're making to like deny who you are and not act on it. But beyond that, I don't really get where the choice thing comes from. I actually like that. I like that you've spun it back on, like, because usually people will say very like, just ignorantly that it's a choice. But if Mm -hmm. you 
flip it back on them and be like, actually, anybody who is fighting against their nature, that that is actually the choice. Like, the choice is to not accept themselves instead of... Yeah. Yeah, yes. so I kind of like that. That's We're talking about logic again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that, like, speaking of when you mentioned gender identity and then sexual... Oh, wait, no. I might orientation. Say orientation. If I've mixed that up, I apologize. Um, Doesn't matter. Like, I find it, I find it really weird that, I mean, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love that the LGBTQ, like, I love that it's like a little community that's all together. But because it's in that community all together, I feel like people get very confused about yeah. gender identity and then sexual orientation. Like, they're, some people just like meld it into one. They're like, no, you're like, no, 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 no. Like, I have heard from so many people like, <laughs> I'm really into drag race. I'm so glad that they get to be who they are. And I'm like, like, that's not, no. that's not transgender people. <laughs> like, those are mainly. There's just this assumption as well that they're gay. Like, people yeah. are gay and they're trans and they're in drag. It's like, do you know yeah. what you're, you really don't know what you're saying right now. No. And they use it as like a, a badge of like, I, I support. I'm a supporter. Uh, And I'm like, but you're, that's not the correct, no. Like, don't get me wrong, no. there are a few drag, like, um, drag queens that have decided to actually transition. But it's few and far between in the community of drag race, uh, specifically. So, it, yeah. have you found that that is a common thing, that people kind of just lump it all together and go, eh, I get it. Yeah, yeah, it's not un uncommon. In fact, I delivered a webinar recently that was especially for parents of trans and non-binary kids. And uh, there were some poll questions that they all voted on and, and what, what they wanted to know and ask me, like, beforehand. That's awesome. And the top question was, how can I, if something along the lines of how can I better support people through their sexuality? Right. And I was like... <laughs> I was really confused. It didn't it didn't occur to me that that they were confused. I thought they knew what they were saying and I was like, but we're but we're doing a webinar about gender identity right. and why so I was like, so is this do they want to know about sexuality because actually they don't know much about it and they feel that that's specifically what they need help on? Like I wasn't quite sure where that question had come from. And this had had loads of votes from a lot of people. <laughs> so I was like, oh, everyone must really want to know about sexuality, even though we, I was kind of coming along with the thought of talking about gender identity. <laughs> so I had a word with the, um, the organiser the day before, and I was like, oh, I was like, this question, and I read it out, I was like, it's do they want to talk about gender identity? She said, She said, I think that's what they mean, but they don't know about the difference. I was like, oh, okay. Um, so I think because I spend so much of my time talking to people from within the community, we know what the difference is. Mm -hmm. And actually, actually, when I came out to my mum, she already knew something was up. And I hadn't necessarily hid it on Facebook, so <laughs> I don't know. But she was like, is there something you want to tell me? I was like, no. <laughs> um, and then eventually I did. I did, you know, that day. I was like, I, I, was like, I need the toilet and just ran off. <laughs> and then I came back and we talked about it. But she wanted to know. She was like, so we talked about it. And I said, you know, these are the pronouns I want. And, 
you know, like I'm thinking about transition and if I do want one, like to what extent, because I don't want to be really masculine, mm. but I feel like what I've got now is a bit too feminine and I'm trying to get my head around that. And I was explaining and she was like, can I ask you a question? I was like, yeah, you can ask me a question. She said, but say, right, that you won't, well, you were, you were in a bar and I was like, right, <laughs> I'm in a bar. Okay. She's like, and if you just saw a man that you really liked and like he was cool with everything, like, would you still go out with a man? And I was like, what planet are we on? <laughs> have we entered? I was like, have we entered the twilight? I was like, Mum, I've been upfront about my sexuality for years. Like, this is not this is not an issue. Yeah. Like, she's like, oh, but you know, would you go out with a man? Now I was like, yes. I've told you for many years since I was quite young that gender is not important to me in a in a, in a partner. It's just irrelevant. Mm-hmm. I feel like. It's like someone saying, but brown eyes or, or or blue. Like, you you have to pick one. Surely there's one you prefer. And I'm like, it just doesn't matter. Oh, I just don't care. I love that. Um, people are like, oh, but the sex is different. I'm like, well, yeah, you've got different plumbing, but who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> who gives a shit? <laughs> saying that close to plumbing is like, there's a joke there. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> true I mean you know I think sex whoever you're having it with so long as at the end everyone's grinning and passing the tissues I think it's a success (laughs) yeah specifically the grinning bit (laughs) you know just yeah just make sure you're blinking so it doesn't look too weird So, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, actually, earlier, Amanda, you'd asked me about, yeah. you know, what other things would I suggest to would-be allies or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I think apart from the pronouns, I think that's a good start. That's a, that's a nice thing that you can do. And and the, the second thing that we talked about was getting used to feedback. Mm. Yeah. You can't be put off. You either believe that it's right to do this work and to become educated or you don't Mm -hmm. and people in the process being emotional at you might not be very pleasant but it shouldn't um weaken your resolve Mm -hmm. and the other thing especially in terms of like gender identity but I guess you could apply it to any minority or marginalized community Mm -hmm. is just to start considering like you know like for like if you're out in public you know if you're going to the toilet at the restaurant or uh, if you're going shopping for clothes um, in a store or or whatever, to realise suddenly, like, oh, you know, if you're listening to me, you might think, oh, I wonder where Harris would shop. And, like, if they were shopping in different departments, like, what changing room would they use? Right. Or, you know, and to start seeing things from somebody else's perspective and to, re- you know, uh, a big one that trips people up all the time, and I've said this so many times already, is reproductive health. I think people think, first of all, that trans people don't also have reproductive health, mm-hmm. um, and we do. And second of all, people don't realise that just because you're trans, it doesn't necessarily mean that you hate everything about your your body or that you're uncomfortable with it even. Like, for example, for me, um, my overall shape, my silhouette is a bit 
that bothers me a bit and the shape of my chest bothers me. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like my internal functions and my biology and the rest of the stuff that it does, I feel really comfortable with that. I'm like, yeah, that's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. And, um, you know, I, I think at some point I may want to even birth my own child. Mm-hmm. And I think people find that really confusing. They're like, but if you, but if you're trans, then surely all of that stuff, like you're uncomfortable with it or you hate it or like you're in the wrong body. And I'm like, it's not the same for everybody. Mm-hmm. It, it's really different. Like uh, there has been loads of trans men on uh, social media who've like given birth to their own babies oh, because no. they've kept, yeah. they've kept their junk. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I've got, you know, trans masculine non-binary friends who've also birthed their own kids. And, and some of them have even like, um, we call it chest feeding because for a lot of people they don't like the B word if if you're if you're trans masculine. I go for chesticles personally, that's my favourite. Because <laughs> it sounds more masculine to me and it rhymes with testicles, which is automatically funny because I'm very childish. <laughs> I was gonna say you bring me back to the nineties so fast when you say chesticles. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me it's just got no connotation of like, you know, like a like a feminine name mm. for what do you put? yeah I don't know everyone's different you don't need to get caught up on it um but yeah so it's just like it's just interesting to me that it's so difficult for me to um uh, and people from my community not just me but like all of us can find it very difficult to join in very important conversations around reproductive health yes. and stuff mm-hmm. without also having to kind of fight for us to join in when we we have equally valid and important stories mm-hmm. um and also like equally valid and important like roles that we are still playing and like realities that we still share with like for example cis women yeah mm-hmm. yeah you might call it chest feeding but you're gonna run into the same issues as a cis woman yeah. calling it breastfeeding and when you get mastitis yeah. you're gonna want that support you want to want that community so i totally agree like when that hit the news cycle about i guess what was it the nurses or something put it out the midwives put it out there saying that they're going to yeah. offer the word chest feeding and i didn't even hesitate i was like good i was like as give, an them, additional, what, give them yeah. yeah as an additional yeah, give them whatever vocabulary that like whatever trans men need so that they feel that they can get inside this community and they can have a discussion about it and in whatever way they feel comfortable because like you said like labor and birth is one of the most traumatic experiences of any of any human's life and it doesn't really matter in my opinion how you identify or whatever you're going to be traumatized so you're going to want a community at the other end and to me it just it was a stupid argument amongst the feminist communities i was just utterly irritated with the whole thing um yeah <laughs> i was not having it i was like Mm-mm. i was like i don't like this chat <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah and i think also people like i think that pe- i've said this before and i and i might have even said it when we've talked before but i i think people struggle with the idea that just because we're introducing something new like up until now, we've been used to being dictated to, this is the belief system. These are the words that we use. This is what's correct. And you have to do this. Mm-hmm. 
And so when people like me come along and say, well, actually, we've kind of had a chat about it and we're thinking about using alternatives like this sometimes. Just, and then you get yeah. people going, oh, well, th- we're just being dictated to again about what words we have to use. I'm like, no, yeah. the, the whole idea is that you can still be you, mm-hmm. you know. It's not about replacing the old with new. It's about there being complete like freedom and liberation for everyone for gender to work for them specifically so if you're a cis woman who's like but I want to say breastfeeding then fucking you can nobody's stopping you I'm not saying you know people like me aren't like you have to call it this now the point is is that you call it what what it what feels right to you you express your gender and how how you do your gender the way that gives you the most euphoria or happiness or or feels the best for you but we're not the point is is that we're no longer telling other people you have to use the same words as me we're now saying like there are alternatives for those who are having a maybe a slightly different experience or don't feel empowered or gender euphoria from those words and I don't maybe it's my lack of emotional intelligence, but I'm going to say that specifically with this this breast versus chest, I genuinely do not understand how by another community using a word that works for them would ever take away from a woman. I just don't I can I do not see how that connects. I do not see how someone using the yeah. word chest affects your your gender identity at all. Like how does another human being totally separate of their like their own life that you'll never meet never you'll has anything to do with taking away your womanhood like i just don't i just do not get that at all and it actually infuriates me i I saw a tiktok actually becky shared a tiktok with me and i should have commented on it being like you guys are all crazy scaremongering people like you're not making any sense here it has literally nothing to do with you they can use whatever term they want to make their lives easier. It has nothing to do with you. Stop trying to deny yeah. other people. People are just so people are just so set on excluding people. I think people mm. would rather argue against something than just realizing that this is like you're saying, like you're real, you're here, like it's yeah. Like, evidence based I exist so. like here, sort of thing surprise <laughs> yeah like, yeah like I just I think it's weird do you know what I, um, a point I was going to make was that it's almost like if we've all been living with like two different shoe sizes all this time mm-hmm. and then some like people like me come along and go well that's great like no shade to your shoes but actually mm-hmm. I have bigger feet than that or smaller feet than that Mm -hmm. those shoes don't one of the two sizes that are available don't fit me so I'm gonna you know we're gonna make new shoes different smaller and bigger sizes Mm -hmm. and it's like everyone's like oh you know my shoe's not good enough for you and it's (laughs) like oh we just want ones that fit it's it's not it's not about you this isn't a rejection of you this isn't saying that yours isn't good enough it's just saying that it just so happens that I have a different shoe size. Mm. And then I think with a lot of those really visceral reactions of like, oh, you're destroying womanhood and, you know, what <laughs> sort of thing. It's like, no, it's fine. You can carry on wearing those shoes if they're the best ones for you. I I would fight. I would advocate for you to continue to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my advocacy in the way that 
um, I am a you know a- an activist and talk about what I'm talking about isn't just for me and isn't just for my community. The whole fucking point is that it's for literally everybody. And so that it doesn't matter who comes along and says, I'm this gender and I'm having this problem and this is what I need help with. It doesn't matter. Anytime I'm going to say to you, that is valid. Mm -hmm. And the second that I hear anybody else say, well, that's bullshit, I'm going to tell them to fuck off on your behalf because Mm -hmm. only you get to say that. And I think people are scared. and, And sometimes I wonder, I'm like, have you spent so much of your life conforming that actually a new idea is just, you just think, oh, now I have to conform again and I don't want to. Right. Right. Oh, well, yeah. 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 There's this obsession, I think, with remaining in your lane, remaining in your box and being comfortable with that. Like, I think the world is just set on conformity and is set on, okay, you're this, you're this, and that's great. Like, I don't need to worry about anything else. Whereas it's like, there is this amazing fluidity that goes on. Like, why? I don't get why everything has to be so structured. It's like people don't like change. People don't. It's not even like it's changed mm-hmm. because it's like gender identity has been around for so long, but we've just all been conditioned yes. to believe you must be hetero. Also, and, uh, playing off that, Becky, is yeah. I feel like people don't understand when you start putting others in a box, you're just reinforcing <laughs> your own box. So you can't look at another community and be like, ah, 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 ah. you cannot step outside that line. That line, you have to stay inside there. And then look at women and be like, hey, yeah. how do you enjoy being out of the kitchen? Like, you cannot have it both ways. You cannot be an oppressor and then say, like, I deserve absolute freedom. Like, no, no, we are a com- like, we do not do that. I'm sorry. You're not a part of my feminism. Yeah, it's like pushing people down to get higher. You know, you're not you're not grasping each other up. You're standing on people to push that's yourself. That's feminism. Higher. If you want to be that way, then like find another term because you're not included in this community because that's just hateful at this point. Well, that's exactly what turfs do, of course, mm. or farts. Yeah. <laughs> farts. I prefer farts. Please, <laughs> please break down the acronym again. Farts stands for yes. feminism appropriating radical transphobes. Yes. Amazing. I yes. need to farts. I need to ingrain that because I think it's much more satisfying to call someone <laughs> fart. And it's way more offensive. Like saying that you're taking feminism and using it for not what feminism is. Like yes. you're not a real feminist. You're appropriating it. So yeah. stop and using it. Exactly. And to your point that you were just making, um that's what I was saying. They they do because on the one hand, they're saying, you know, women aren't just brood mares. We're not just sort of baby making machines. You know, it's not like the handmaid's tale, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But then when trans women come along, they're like, but you don't have a womb. <laughs> <laughs> like that's a the hypocrisy. Oh my God. That's the, that's the point. It's like, well, you know, that that's, that's the exact reason that they think that they, they exist in their their beliefs and their activism is all about like women's liberation away from these tropes. And yet that's the very fucking stick they use to beat other women because they don't, (laughs) because they don't meet their, and this is another thing. I think women are really, if so much of your identity is tied to your suffering, that's fucking negative 
Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying deny what's happening to you. And I'm not saying that that isn't like worthy or or even a priority for you. Of course, it probably is. But if you've got no idea about what it is that you're actually aiming for, and you've got no idea who you will, you will be or what your womanhood will mean if tomorrow there was no suffering attached to it, mm. then what's the point? Oh, that's a really good point. Mm. I like that. You don't really think of it that way, you know? Mm. And that could be said about, like, every community. Yeah. Really. It could be said for anyone who feels marginalized. Like, if you're, if everything that you base that off of is based off the suffering, then is it really that? Or is it just the suffering that you're attached to? Yes. Which is fine and, and totally valid. I think, you know, if your whole life has been difficult because people are sexist, misogynistic and treat you like shit, like every day of your life, mm-hmm. 100% that's valid. Like, talk about it until you're blue in the face. I support that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, equally if you're black in a predominantly white country and people are racist to you all day, every day, and you've got to watch your back and like, you can't, you know, walk around at night with a hood up because people are just Mm going to assume you're a criminal or, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that is totally valid. But I think it's really important part of the work to make sure you don't forget what you're fighting for or, or to even become acquainted with what, what that vision looks like, because, Mm. You can't, unfortunately, I don't think that you can sell a vision that is just devoid of X, Y, Z. You know, and I think in in the election where Trump got elected, I think that's like mostly the reason why Hillary lost. I mean, by a slim margin, but I don't think she she won. Yeah. Yeah. You won by numbers. Yeah, in terms of numbers. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I don't think that's why I don't think she galvanized enough people. I don't think she addressed her previous gaffes of like saying racist things or making a complete twat of herself. Mm-hmm. And you know, she she at one point said, you know, like she said some homophobic stuff, like, you know, she she had some shit in her past. But she any- said a lot of elitist things as well. Yes. Like she was very, she was very, working class yeah. wasn't interested. Yeah. She wasn't even trying. Yeah, for sure. But I do think that ultimately she wasn't selling any big vision. And I think, I feel that that's probably mostly why Biden and Harris got elected because they were very strong about what they were selling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously when you sell something, you do have to touch on a pain point. This is going back to like marketing and business, but (laughs) you you do have to touch on pain points, but that can't be your focus. And I think that with identity issues and all these other things, you know, if you're not, if you're not selling or you're not even aware of like what your end goal is, then really it's just, it's shouting and, and it's shooting fish in a barrel and there's there's no direction there's no like big vision where's the leadership Mm -hmm. and I think that's where a lot of these things fall down and actually I was listening to something the other day I think it was Russell Brand uh interviewing oh god I'm gonna have to look it up now (laughs) but basically he was saying um that the left their predominant issues and the things that they're mostly uh worked up about is uh, identity issues 
And they were saying that's that's why there's a lot of, you know, like Labour and the left used to all be about working class and about levelling the field and looking at structures and things like that. So the interviews, uh, Russell Howard on Under the uh, Russell Howard, Russell Brand on <laughs> <laughs> Under the Skin. Russell. <laughs> wrong, wrong Russell. Uh, interviewing Jonathan Haidt, uh, understanding our divided realities. Yeah, and he, I just, I found that very true. I do think that the left is lacking a little bit of vision here. And they're also not talking about taking down power structures or revolution or transforming things or, you know, like levelling the field like old-fashioned Labour and left used to do. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, the Democratic Party is not at all progressive enough. And I think that's where AOC steps in and Bernie Sanders, like, it's that horrible thing when you tell people, like, it, we're getting there. Like, it's going to take some time because I think I think I said this to you before, that if there's ever a good thing about Trump is that I think he scared enough moderates to realize that it's not cute to bring somebody in office with that many mental issues and with that much egotism. <laughs> and it's not cute. America doesn't look good if we have somebody in that position. So instead of trying to stick it to the system, maybe just stick to the program so that we can actually start making progress. Um, and you're right. I think Biden was the was the easy choice for a lot of people because he did bring a lot of focus. And that literally was, I'm not Trump. And let me show you all the things I'm going to do to get us back on track. And I think that was enough for moderates to be like, okay, okay, like, I feel better. Um, yeah, but I totally can relate, I think. But I do think that it's just a matter of time. AOC will be running for president someday. And she's going to be on a platform which includes universal health care, um, higher education for all. And that's the future. That sounds like a good point to close on. <laughs> Gives everyone something to think about. <laughs> So, Harris, if any of our listeners want to find your content or reach out to you on your socials, what's the best place for them to reach you? Sure. Um, You can find me on uh, Facebook. There's Harris Hill Confidence Coaching for Unicorns. So my coaching is all about helping people to understand, embrace and actually nurture their differences because that's that's when people get really happy and really themselves. And I think that's that's the... I think how you should follow the breadcrumbs so you're a happier, like more well-rounded individual. Um, so yeah, I've got that. I've also got the Unicorn Club, which is a the, my Facebook group where obviously you can have a bit more pri- private um, conversations without everyone listening in potentially. Mm-hmm. I'm also on Instagram at Mooks Harris Hill. That is also the name uh, of my website, MooksHarrisHill.com. And uh, the PDF, the free PDF that you mentioned before is is on yes. there. It's mooksharrishill.com forward slash PDF. And uh, just a reminder, my podcast is called The Transception Podcast. Um, it's, it's not for children. <laughs> <laughs> Neither is ours. So we're right fine. then. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you've got a teenager, they, they would probably be fine. But there's the occasional use of ripe language. But I think also just the content that we talk about, sometimes it's very silly. Um, 
but a lot of the time it's serious or we're talking about sex or you know there's like drug mentions in the Christmas special and things like that so <laughs> it's definitely uh you know if your if your child is under sort of 15 16 you probably maybe yeah start with the guide <laughs> yeah start with the guide there's no swearing in that one and uh, <laughs> yeah and and otherwise just yeah reach out if if any of these issues affect you you need help you don't know what you're doing uh i'm particularly supporting parents at the moment um if their kids have come out as trans or non-binary um adult kids or or younger kids because uh there's a lot of feelings there and often you know as the parent you want to get things right because without your support um kids struggle a lot more if their parents can be on board and be educated like that's a massive, massive win. I think if the parents are yeah. contacting you for help, they're on the right track. Like that's the yeah. absolutely best first Thanks. step. Yeah. Obviously you're a fantastic um, teacher. Cause we learn every time we speak to you and uh, I follow you on all the socials just to keep learning. So thank you so much Thanks. for coming. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much. I've really yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, you're clearly doing great work. So it's it's great having you on and being able to speak with you again. Thank you. Anytime. All right, everyone. So there is clearly so much to have been learned here. And like we said, we've had such a great time with Harris. So as always, stay open and keep learning. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.